0: This is Pastor Landon Davis with your daily Bible study. We'll be reading from Romans chapter 8 in the World English Bible. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law couldn't do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did, sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the ordinance of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Romans 7 concluded with Paul's lament that the law of sin is in his members. And he asked, Who can deliver me from this body? We find the answer here in Romans chapter 8. There is no condemnation in Christ because the law of the Spirit of life supersedes the law of sin, it sets us free from sin and death, the ordinances of God's law can be fulfilled in us by the power of His Spirit. Verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind of the flesh is death, but the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind of the flesh is hostile towards God, for it is not subject to God's law, neither indeed can it be. Those who are in the flesh can't please God, but you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if it is so that the Spirit of God dwells in you." But if any man doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised up Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. If you live and think according to the flesh, you're going to be dominated by your sinful flesh. However, we received new life when we received the Spirit. There's just one Spirit that's available to the church. We see here it's referred to as the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. We're speaking of the one and the same Spirit, and it is the Spirit of life. It's the Spirit of liberty. And so the Spirit will convict, it will teach, it will empower um, and this will. This is how we learn to submit to the law of God. We can overcome the sinfulness and deadness of our flesh by the Spirit. The same Spirit that raised up Christ when he was dead in the flesh dwells in us. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will raise us up as well. It's essential that we be filled and be led by the Spirit. I can't emphasize that enough. Verse number 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the the flesh to live after the flesh for if you live after the flesh you must die but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live for as many as are led by the spirit of god these are children of god for you didn't receive the spirit of bondage again to fear but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry abba father the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. By the Spirit, we can put to death the sinful deeds of our body, as we've spoken before. And when this happens, there is a freedom To follow obediently after the Spirit. This is what it means when we're described as being a child of God. And so if we are his children, then we are heirs with Jesus Christ. Christ suffered, but it was temporary. Then he received glory that was eternal. As joint heirs with Christ, we share in his struggles. So we're going to battle temptation. We may first face persecution or be hated for his name's sake. We have to learn to submit our will to the Father's will. But it will be worth it because we'll also share in that eternal reward. Verse 18, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which will be revealed towards us. For the creation waits with eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to vanity, not of its own will, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of decay and to the liberty of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. Not only so, but ourselves also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for that which he sees? But if we hope for that which we don't see, we wait for it with patience. All of creation is waiting for that great day when God finishes the work of redemption and restoration. Every man, whether he realizes it or not, there is eternity in his heart and there is something that longs for more. Everything we know has been distorted because of sin and the powers of spiritual darkness. But this condition is just temporary. Um, For the saved, uh, we know that there are better days ahead. The peace and joy of the Holy Ghost is just a small taste of what is to come. We have the first fruits, and there's going to be a full harvest of righteousness. And so we pray and hope and cry and sometimes even groan as we wait for the redemption of our bodies. But we have hope. Jesus is coming, and so we need to wait patiently. Verse 26, In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which can't be uttered. He who searches the hearts knows what is on the Spirit's mind because he makes intercession for the saints according to God. We're not the only ones that are anxious for the redemption of our body. God is also looking ahead to that great day. He's doing everything necessary for us to make it through our present trials and be with him in glory. When we when we see our Lord, we're gonna be like him, and what a great day that's gonna be. He doesn't leave us alone on this journey. He he gave us Calvary and the gospel and forgiveness and the Spirit and so many spiritual gifts and grace and mercy. And there's help all along the way. One example of the Spirit helping us with our weaknesses and our prayers. Sometimes we don't even know what to ask for, how to pray. We don't know what the future holds. We we don't know how to overcome what we face. And so the spirit will intercede or to help us to pray. Uh, maybe you found yourself praying deeply in the Spirit. Have you ever been so burdened that your prayer was just a groan or maybe even a silent groan? Does that make sense? Like when you can't even get a sound to come out. It's it's in these desperate and painful times that, that it's actually the Spirit that that helps you to pray? How is it prayer if it isn't audible? How is it prayer if it isn't intelligible? It, it, it may not make sense to anyone that hears or You may not even be able to express exactly in words what you're trying to say. You just feel this sense of desperation as you agonize before the Lord. But you can rest assured that when the Spirit is helping, when you are praying in the Spirit, God understands exactly what's needed, exactly what's being said, and he responds to those prayers. Verse 28, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, for those who are called. Called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, whom he predestined, those he also called, whom he called, those he also justified, whom he justified, those he also glorified. God is able to work everything together to give us a desired end. It's all working together for good, regardless of what the enemy throws at us or life throws at us, whatever comes our way, God is able to work it out so that uh, we will receive ultimate salvation. He, he called the church in his foreknowledge. He knew that there would be a people with a desire to please him, but an inability to execute that desire. He, he knew that we would fall short of the glory of God and we would need a savior. And so God had an answer. The Bible describes Jesus as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God had an answer for sin in mind before any of us ever even had a sin problem. The church is predestined to be made in the image of Christ. The church will be victorious even over the gates of hell or the grave. The church is literally those that have been called out. All that respond in obedient faith will be counted as righteous. They'll be forgiven or justified. It it doesn't stop there though, but the church is going to be glorified by God. Ultimately, the saved are going to take part in that final glorification when this mortal takes on immortality. Verse 31. What then shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who didn't spare his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how would he not also with him freely give us all things? Who could bring a charge against God's chosen ones? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. Yes, rather, who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Could a or anguish, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Even as it is written, For your sake we are killed all day long, we were accounted as sheep for the slaughter. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from God's love, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We perceive God's love through Christ, through the prism of Calvary. Because of the sacrifice of Christ, the scripture says that we, we know that we're loved with the greatest of love. Hereby perceive we the love of God, that he laid down his life. And so if God loves us, does it matter who doesn't? Does it matter what people say? Does it does it matter what accusations Satan himself brings against us? If God, the true judge, says that that you are forgiven, then you are forgiven if he says that you are right with him then you are right with him christ in the role of our our priest and and in the power of god and the the at the position of power the right hand is also our advocate our intercessor his death his burial his resurrection is the means by which we can have our relationship with God restored. His blood declares better things. It declares that we're not guilty because he paid a price for us already. And so regardless of what you face, you can keep the faith that you're going to be victorious and that you are loved. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word, for the assurance that you give us. We know that with you, we can do all things. With you, we can make it through anything, that you'll make a way of escape for us, that you'll protect us, that you're on our side. Even when we sin, you're our advocate, our help, and your grace is teaching us to live godly. We're so thankful for your patience. We can't do a thing without you. We can't even pray without you, Lord. But in you, we can do all things. By faith, we believe and trust that we're going to be glorified and be with you for all of eternity. I ask that you would lift the hearts of the saints. Help us to remember the special place that we have as your church. We pray it all in Jesus' name. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Join us again tomorrow for another episode.